This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. We're happy. Seahawks fans, Patriots fans, the rest of us, not so much. But hey, just to, just to let you know before we get going this morning where I stand on, uh, on who I'm pulling for in my handy dandy backpack here, uh, I got a little, what is this? Oh, Seahawks. <laughs> Seahawks. Anybody going for the Hawks today? Any Hawks fans? A couple of people? All right, listen. Any team that will underinflate footballs to try to win, I can't root for. All right, I'm sorry, Mandy. I just can't root for them. But uh, I'm just playing. This is Chad Heises, by the way. I do not own this. All right? You know where my allegiance stands. Amen. Come on, Miss Darlene. Uh-uh. I hear you. Listen, it is always a privilege and always um, a blessing to have the opportunity to share God's words with you, Pastor Aaron. I appreciate it. I do not take it lightly, and I don't take it for granted. This is what God has called me to do, and, uh, and I find great satisfaction and joy in doing it. But I thought uh, since today is, is Super Bowl Sunday, maybe we have a little Super Bowl trivia, okay? So what, what's going to happen is we're going to have three questions. Two are going to be multiple choice. One, you just have to know the answer to. If you think you know the answer, slip up your hand. If you get the answer right, you get to take home one of these nice little souvenir footballs. I tried to find all Steeler footballs, but they, they ran out for some reason. In Pittsburgh, that wouldn't happen. But in Tennessee, I guess uh, they don't care too much about the Steelers. So anyhow, I have three footballs here. You'll get to take one of those home. Let's jump in it. You want to? First question, Mr. Brian. Here we go. Who was the winner of the third Super Bowl back in 1969? Was anyone even alive in 69? Miss Gail, Miss Gail, I'm just playing. All right. She, hey, she, she cuts the checks. I better, I better watch out. Um, <laughs> gonna get a, gonna get a pay cut next month. Uh, who, who knows the answer? You got to slip up your hand now. I just can't. You got to slip. All right. What, what you got there, Mr. Ed? Joe Namath and the Jets. Yes, sir. All right. Now, listen. Are you ready? Do you have good hands on you? Do you have good hands? What, what, what's wrong? Listen. Hey. Now, listen. Back, at, back in Newmarket, I was all city, all right? All city. Just let me loosen up that arm there. Look at that right there. Touch pass. Uh, hey, that's how, that's how Big Ben would do it, wouldn't he? <laughs> Let's go to the next one. What do we have here? What NFL organization has never been, not never won, never been to the Super Bowl? What do we have, Miss, Miss uh, oh, my country. Uh, how, how did your name just slip me? <laughs> Angie Fuqua, Fuqua, something. Yes, ma'am. Jacksonville Jaguar. I'm impressed. That, that was kind of a difficult one, I thought. Are you a Cowboys fan? Are you a Cowboys fan? This, this is going to be for you. Are you ready? Duck, duck away, duck away. Here we go. Come on, Miss Angie. See what you got. Yes, come on. All right. Two for two, baby. Two for two. Man, wish I was a quarterback. What NFL franchise has the most, this is my favorite. This is my favorite one, by the way. What NFL franchise has the most Vince Lombardi trophies? I just wonder. What, Lucas Dukas, man, what do we have? What'd you say? I couldn't hear you. <laughs> one more time. 
<laughs> Did he say the Steelers? Man, come on. Look what I look what I have for you, my friend. Right here, buddy. Are you gonna stand up or are you gonna make me? You're gonna make me throw it in the pocket, all right? Throw it in the pocket. There we go. Look at that. That was close. Little sidearm. Man. Hey, listen, I wish I wish I could relate that to today's uh sermon, but there's just there's no relating that, all right? That was just pure fun. We're going to be in the book of Philippians uh, this morning. Philippians chapter 3, to be exact. This is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's an encouraging book, um, kind of motivating, inspiring. If, if you're, you're down or, or struggling or kind of depressed, Philippians is a good book to read. Um, just, it, it's an uplifting book. A lot of positive joy coming forth. Which is interesting because we know that in this book we find out that Paul was in jail as he was writing this uh, this letter to the Philippians. Philippi, by the way, was a ancient city in eastern Macedonia, um, and Paul visited visited these people on his first missionary journey, and so he got to know them there. By the grace of God, he planted a church there and began to spread the good news of Christ to the Gentile people people like you and I. So we pick it up in chapter three. Um, In this chapter, Paul is kind of going through the history of his life. We know that Paul was very zealous, a very passionate man when it came to the law and keeping the law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, um, as he liked to put it. And he, he, he knew God's law and he put a lot of emphasis on keeping his law. He hated the church, the church of Jesus, hated him, did not have anything to do um, with Christ and those who followed Christ. He was a persecutor of the church. That's who he was, and he was very passionate about it. So we pick it up in in verse 6, in in chapter 3, he says, I was so enthusiastic, I tried to hurt the church. No one could find fault with the way I obeyed the law of Moses. Those things were important to me, but now I think they are worth nothing because of Christ. Verse 8, not only those things, but I think that all things are worth nothing, are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Christ, because of him, I have lost all those things, and now I know they are worthless trash. So, So Paul is saying The old way I was is no longer me. I have lost everything. I have given up everything, all my pride in keeping the law. All those years I spent in studying, trying to perfect my life in keeping the law of Moses now is worth nothing to me. Now it's all about knowing Jesus, knowing Christ, knowing who he is. Next slide. This allows me to have Christ, verse 9, and to belong to him. Now I am right with God, not because I followed the law, but because I believed in Christ. God uses my faith to make me right with him. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. Now, if I stood up here with this microphone and I said, listen, church, I want to know Christ. 
I want to know him. I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. If I said this to you, you wouldn't be surprised, right? After all, I'm a pastor. Shouldn't that be one of my main goals in life, to know Christ, to know the power that raised him from the dead? That wouldn't surprise you. But this next statement here, I don't know if I could say. He says, I want to share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to suffer like Christ suffered. Beyond that, I want to die. I want to give my life like Christ gave his life. Now, what American do you know is going to say that right there? Really? I don't know if I can fully say that. I want to be able to. I want to say, God, I want to share in the sufferings. I want to suffer like you do. I want to die like you. I want to say that. But it's hard for me, church. Because I've grown up in a a land of comfort. And I thank God for this country. And I thank God for the opportunity to worship him freely without having to worry about someone threatening my life or the life of my family in my decision to follow Christ. I thank God for that. But it's hard for me to relate to Paul when he's speaking these words. It's hard for the most of us, all of us, maybe, to relate to Paul while he's speaking these words. Because the majority of us have grown up in a comfortable setting, lifestyle. We don't understand what it means to have someone threaten us, threaten our life because of a decision we make to follow Christ. And so in today's context for us, when Paul talks about sufferings here, we know that Paul's talking about physical sufferings. Remember, he's in jail. He's in jail pinning these words. We know he's talking about physical sufferings, but for us, We're going to talk about trials, difficulties, the times in your life when it feels like you're doing all the right things, serving God, being involved with his people, doing what you can to help those who are homeless, orphans. You feel like, okay, I mean, I I have a, a, a decent relationship with God. And then the bottom falls out of your life. You ever been there? Why does bad things happen to so-called good people? I'm not talking about when you make a mistake. I'm not talking about when you sin. I'm not talking about when you do something that's against God's word and you're suffering the consequences to that. I'm just talking about you when you are serving God, loving him, giving your life to him, and then the bottom falls out of your life. When someone passes away unexpected, when you spend days, months, years praying, praying that God would heal somebody and they're not healed and they pass on, When you lose your job, 
when your children are making decisions that you know are not beneficial for their lives. I'm talking about these times for God's people. How do we approach these times? Because here's the bottom line. Every single one of us in this room will need this message. You might not need it today, but there will come a time when you will need to remember the words that God's going to speak to us today, including myself. And so how do we approach it? Next slide. Verse 12, Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. What's the goal Paul's talking about? He's talking about knowing Christ fully. He's talking about being able to share in his sufferings fully and die like Christ died. He hasn't experienced that yet. He hasn't obtained it yet. Not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I what? Press on, press on, press on. Now, I highlighted that for you in Marciano Red. And I don't know why that's important. That's just what the computer told me it was. Maybe some of you artistic people can tell me if I pronounce that correctly. Like Mr. Powell, he's an artsy guy. He knows about Marciano Red. I'm just playing. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting my past, Forgetting that I used to persecute the church. Forgetting that I used to be completely opposed to Jesus Christ. Forgetting my past. Forgetting what's behind and straining toward the what is ahead. I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, listen. This is the mindset we have to take when the bottom falls out of our life and we're left arms open wide and we don't understand why things are happening. This is the mindset we have to take. We don't understand it, but we know this. God's ways are so much higher than ours and his thoughts are so much more advanced than ours. And so we press on, we press on, we press on because we know that there's a prize. We know that there's a reason that God has us going through this. Let me remind you, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It's easy for me to say now. It's easy for me to just preach this now until the bottom falls out of my life. But God's called me to preach. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I don't understand why sometimes things happen the way they do, but what I do know is that God never, ever lies. And if he says that I'm working this out for good for your life, then he means it. And so what, what must we do, church? We have to take a soldier-like mentality when it comes to trials and persecutions and things that happen to us and we feel are unjust. We feel we don't deserve them. We have to take a soldier-like mentality and press on and press forward and trust. Climb that mountain. 
with our hands high. Knowing that God is not going to let us down. Let me remind you of our servant Job. Remember Job? Chapter 1 of Job. It was the first book. I remember Job was the very first book I ever read. I think I was in eighth grade. Never really read the Bible. Opened up for some reason. I, you know, I was like, wow, Job. What a cool name of a book. Job. That's the book I want to start reading, Job. So I started reading. Man, it was just fascinating to me, the story, the truth, the history. And so Job was a man who loved God. He was a righteous man. He fled from evil. And chapter 1 tells us that Job had 10 kids, and every single day Job would offer a sacrifice to his kids. Not to his kids, for his kids. He would offer a sacrifice for his children. Why? Because he loved them. Because he wanted them to be in right standing with God. Because he wanted them to be holy and to be righteous. This is the kind of man Job was. He was a man who loved God and loved his family. This is the kind of man he was, a man of integrity. And so Satan comes to God one day. And God says, Satan, where have you been? And Satan says, I've been wandering around the earth. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He loves me, flees from evil. He says, well, of course. You've given him the world, basically. He's rich. He's got health. He has a great family. Why wouldn't Job worship you? And so God says, okay. You have my permission to test Job. But don't kill him. So this is what Satan does. The very first day. Job gets word that all of his servants have died. All of his cattle has either died or been stolen, which was his wealth. And then his 10 kids were eating together in a home when a strong wind came by, knocked the house down, and killed them all. Now let's personalize it. God forbid. You walk out these doors. You get into your car. You're in a car accident. All of your children die. You and your spouse are the only ones who live. On top of that, you get word that your house is just burned down and everything in it is gone. On top of that, you get word that someone hacked into your bank account and your investment account and took all the money that you've ever saved. It's gone. How would that feel? In one day. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that not a single one of us has ever gone through anything like that in a day. How did he respond? Next slide. When Job heard this, he got up, tore his robe, shaved his head to show how sad he was. Then he bowed down to the ground to worship God. To worship God. What? To worship God. How does that make sense? 
He said, I was naked when I was born. I will be naked when I die. The Lord gave these things to me, and he has taken them away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or blame God. Amazing. Amazing. So a few days pass, Satan goes back to God. God says, Satan, where have you been? I've been out wandering the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? He loves me. He shuns evil, even though you've taken these things from him. Satan says, well, of course. Take the man's health, and he will curse you to his face. God gave him permission. He said, you can take his health, but do not kill him. So Satan goes to Job and flicks him with painful sores from head to toe, so painful that Job would take broken pieces of pottery and just cut himself because of the pain he was experiencing. His wife had had enough. Job, curse God and die. What are you doing? And this is Job's response. You are talking like a foolish woman. Should we take only good things from God and not trouble? Should we take only good things from God and not trouble? You know what it makes me think of? This whole idea of pressing on makes me think of a bench press. Got any bodybuilders in the house? Coach Jeff, man, with a face like that, that's a bodybuilder face right there. That is a bodybuilding face. The bench press is one of the most important exercises to a football player, okay? They have the NFL combine where all the, the draft picks or the football players who are wanting to be drafted, they go to this combine, they put them through various tests. Bench press is one of the tests they put them through. They, they put 225 pounds, two 45-pound plates on each side of a bar, and they have to press it as many times as possible. Just for your information, in 2011, there was a man from Oregon State who bench pressed 225 pounds 49 times. Wow. There was a man who played at Mid-America Nazarene back in the day who bench-pressed 225 pounds 48 times, and then he woke up. <laughs> hey, I'll see y'all in heaven. It's my last Sunday, all right? This is it. It's over. It was a good ride. 49 times. So here we go. We're going to do a little bench press. Where's my man Noah Coward? Where's old Noah? Come on, Noah. Won't you come on up here? And I need, I, need, I need a weight. I need somebody to pick up some weights. Let me see. Go ahead. Come up here, big A. Come on. Go ahead. Come on up here. Uh, Chris, Taylor, I would have picked you, but I need somebody to lift the bar. Um, <laughs> he's an officer, too. I mean, I'm, I'm just digging the holes today, digging all kinds of holes. So here we go. We got this bench press. Go ahead and lay down for us, Noah. Don't put those on yet, man. Don't put those on yet. All right. He's going he's gonna to illustrate this bench press for us. So go ahead. Get your grip. All right. What he's going to do, press the bar up off the rack. He's going to bring it down slowly to his chest, kind of the nipple line, for lack of a better term. Sorry about that. It is my last. It, it, <laughs> it's it, isn't it? It's over, man. How does that feel? Still feel good? All right, he's going to press it up off of his chest, and there you go. That's a bench press. You can rack it. Now, let me ask you a question. 
Say Noah wants to get stronger. You know, he wants to impress the ladies and have some big chest, you know, walk around with tank tops on all the time. All right. Now, if Noah was going to get stronger and he was going to bench press this bar three times a week for six weeks, do you think he's going to get any stronger? No. No. He's not going to get any stronger. Why? Because this bar is easy. This is easy for him. Noah can do this in his sleep. Go ahead, go to sleep. Do it right now. This is easy for him. He can do this all day long. But it's until we do what? Add a little weight. Let's add a little weight, Big A. Can you add some weight for me, man? Let me see here. Let's get this 25 pound. I don't even know if I can pick this up one hand. It's slippery. Now, we don't have clips on this, all right? So, so it's all on you, buddy. All right, go ahead. Press that for me. There you go. Uh, come on, girls. Come on. Look at that. Just one time, that's all you Just one? I mean, hey, we, you got a crowd of people here. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Show out, boys. Uh, come on. Six. Come on. Seven. Come on. Eight. Nine. Ten. All right, that's enough. That's enough. You can put it back down. You can put it back down. Y'all give it up for Noah. Give it up for him. Go ahead, take a seat, man. Thank you, brother. What's the point? The point is, some of you in this room would just be content with just bench pressing this bar for the rest of your life. Jesus, I'll give you my life. Man, just don't take my money. Just don't inflict any pain on me. Just give me good health. Yeah, I'll, I'll claim you. I'll go to church. You know, I'll sit in Bible studies. I'll do whatever. But, but just, I just don't want any pain, God. I just don't want to grow. I just don't want to become closer to you. I just want to bench press this bar for the rest of my life. And you don't understand that the only way you can grow is if you put weight on the bar. If you're challenged, it's in those times, church, when the bottom falls out of your life and you're left wondering what on God's green earth just happened to me. It's in those times when your faith grows. It's in those times when you take steps toward growing in relationship with God. So this is the mindset we have to take when things do not go our way and we do not understand what's going on, even when we are completely surrendered to God. This is the mindset. Press on, press on, press on. That is what we have to do. Amen. All right, let's, cl let's close this thing up. Uh, I'm a little nervous about this last part. I debated about whether or not I should do it. Uh, you ever seen a preacher do a backflip? I know, man, I know, it's crazy. I, listen, sometimes, sometimes in life you just got to let go. You know what it's like? Pastor, hey, do you have a sermon ready for the next service? You might need one, you know. Let me see here. I'm going to get my kicks laced up. You, you know when you have an opportunity to go for two to win the game and, and, you, and you don't get it and you're an idiot, but if you get it, you're a hero? That's what's about to happen, Okay. 
Got my video camera. Look at him. Look at that paparazzi over here, all right? So listen, listen, here's the deal. If, if I crash this thing, use this for God's kingdom and his glory and make some money off of it, all right? This is what I want you to do. Put it on your social media outlets and say, preacher attempts backflip during sermon, dot, 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 fails, all right? This is what I want you to do, okay? Let me get them laced up. Those of you listening by podcast or whatever, if people start screaming, just start praying, all right? Jesus, listen, did you get that on film? Man, you better keep videoing because I'm about to preach, all right? Listen, man, I first did a backflip Martin Luther King Jr. Day with a spot. It's been about two and a half weeks. Yesterday was the first time I did it without a spot. Let me talk to you while I'm out of breath, okay? If I can do a stinking backflip on a ground, basically concrete, I've been practicing on two and a half weeks. You can go through whatever you're going through. You press on, man. You lift your heads up to Christ. Because one day, it's all going to be worth it. When you stand face to face in front of your creator, and he has that smile on his face, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You went through pain. You went through struggle. I allowed things to happen in your life. But you kept your faith in me. You didn't give up. You kept your eyes on me. Now you win the prize. Come on into my kingdom. We're about to party. Amen. Man, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we just give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. We're nothing without you. We came naked into this world, and naked we will leave, Father. You give and you take away. Blessed be your name, Jesus. God, I pray for your people. Whatever trial, whatever circumstance, whatever they're going through, God, I just pray that they will keep their eyes on you, that they will remember that you have a plan, you have not forgotten them, and you're working this out for good in their life. Whether they see it now or in eternity, you're working it out for good. God, forgive us, Lord. We're nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand. 
our time, our time is, is kind of up, but so you guys are, are dismissed to go get your kids. If you need to pray, our prayer partners are in the back. The altar is always open if you need to talk directly to your Heavenly Father. Whatever you need to do, Pastor Aaron will come up shortly and close this out. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake.